we typically say February, March is silly season with all the news and information that's coming out. You could say the last 24 hours have been silly season. We're going to unpack that all here and more on this episode of Moving Life. Welcome to Move the Line. I'm Brian Noonan, joined here, as always, by Connor Allen. And then always, draft season, Scott Smith, been killing it for us as well. Also bringing in a guest, one of the most accurate mockers, uh, just a handful of years ago, and always has a lot of success. Love his grind. You can find his stuff over at DraftPlex, uh, and at DraftPlex on Twitter, it is Jason Pro. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Wow, thanks for having me. Happy to, to get on here with you guys and talk some draft. It is... Uh, our passion. Uh, hopefully, folks have been riding with us. Uh, we are going live now, though. Since we've been, you know, we're just we're past. We can't really just things that move so much. We can't basically store anything for uh, a show to come out. You know, 15, 16 hours after we record, the way that the markets have been moving, even in the last like twelve hours or so. So it's just been absolutely crazy. Uh, if you are joining us, thanks for doing that. Uh, thumbs up, like on YouTube, share the show. We appreciate it. You can also find the show in podcast form wherever you listen to podcasts five stars, all the stuff there. Uh, if you're listening show notes, we're going to do our best. Hopefully, uh, if you want to bounce around and see what we're talking about, the show notes will have some of that stuff for you too. Also be able to find access of how you can get a betting subscription at 444 for cheap. Uh, you can go over to 444.com slash plans and get you the betting sub, get you access to everything on our site. If you play uh, fantasy sports, if you're in the best ball streets, if you like to bet on other things, Scott does great MMA content. We have the N uh, NBA playoffs going on right now. Uh, the betting sub gets you access to literally all of it. We've partnered with No House Advantage. Uh, they're a pick'em site. You can go over to uh, your app store, download No House Advantage, $5 minimum deposit, five bucks. It's going to get you a three-month betting subscription just to get you a little taste, get you through all this draft stuff, take you through the NBA draft stuff. Connor and I are going back and forth about NBA draft stuff already, so we're ready for that market to start to hit. Um, it gets you a little bit, you know, won't take you through the full season, but that's available for you too if you head over to 444.com slash plants. Connor, start with you, buddy. How are we doing? I've uh, been a pretty crazy uh, market movement in the last uh, couple of days, definitely since the last time we met. Yeah, we got left holding the bag a little bit here. I feel like I just want to put out a disclaimer for those who have been listening to our show since the first draft season one. I think at the beginning, we all felt pretty good about CJ Stroud going first overall. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are ridiculing that. Uh, and I don't think that's necessarily fair. We had heard from at least four to five different people who don't know each other. We're not talking to the same people that we know that the Panthers were extremely interested in CJ Stroud at the beginning. Since then, uh, you know, obviously they've gone through the process at this point. It looks like Bryce Young is the overwhelming favorite. Uh, Scott Fitterer came out today and said that the decision has still not been finalized, but that they think they're on the same page. So again, you know, David Tepper is known to been known to change his mind on the flip flip of a dime, but I would say at this point, it is looking very, very likely to be Bryce Young. And we've seen that reflected in the markets, uh, you know, pretty heavily here. We're going from like, you know, we've shifted from the, the you know, CJ Stroud stuff into, you know, like low level minus 200 favorites, minus 300 favorite on, for uh, Bryce Young up to like, I think it's minus 1400 on DraftKings uh, as of an hour ago. So like prohibitive favorites. We've moved through some of this, uh, this stuff too. Scott, uh, we Look, I'm doing good. We're uh, getting into the the last kind of final week of uh, everything, and uh, you know, hey, Fitterer said they, there's some clarity within their draft room now. So uh, minus fourteen hundred, unplayable for uh, Bryce Young, and uh, 
you know, it, we're 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 kind of hitting on some of these other guys that we're looking at in the top ten. So I'm uh, I'm interested and happy to have Jason Pruitt on, uh, 2020's most accurate mock drafter, uh, a guy I've uh, kind of corresponded with over the years, and uh, you know, he does a lot of good work. And that's why I wanted to have him on and uh, get some of his thoughts on how this draft's going to unfold. So let's get into that a little bit, Jason. You've had some success doing this. You have your own site, like I said, DraftPlex. Uh, folks can head over the, at Draft or at DraftPlex on Twitter, DraftPlex.com. Talk to me about your process in terms of you know building mock drafts, um, you know reliance on big boards, reliance on sources. Uh, talk to us a little bit about your process and how you go about it. Yeah, so uh, you know my my process kind of changed. I've been doing this for this is my tenth draft. Uh, you know, just kind of been doing it on the side. And obviously, as Scott mentioned, twenty twenty, uh, I won the the scoring. Uh, on the mock draft scoring championship. So that kind of put me on the map. Uh, but since then I've kind of had to whittle back what it is that I do, but I still watch, you know, about 500 players, you know, over the course of, 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 you know, probably about the six months leading up to the draft. Uh, as I build the mock draft, I do a 1.0 this point, I do a seven round and then I do the final. Um, so with, with the 1.0 is really kind of just, once I get all that information aggregated, I run through it and, and kind of, look at all the team needs what who they're kind of talking to because that usually comes out like right after the combine so a lot of the work hasn't been done just yet the seven round is a little more fluid i think uh and that's the the, the one i released most recently and that takes into account a lot of that more so but more just looking at needs and then how that board falls in that scenario the final obviously is the the big one that we try to get right um and, and a lot of people pay attention to that obviously for for betting purposes and, and things like that and you know i i haven't been as closely aligned to that uh kind of space uh in previous years but certainly the you know the interest just widespread around the draft has, has increased so much um so i i take that into account and i've certainly watched you guys and some of the the conversations you've had there's certainly put some ideas in my head and i and i go back and look at it's like that does actually make a lot of sense you see it aligned with with the odds and so i've kind of started to to put that as another input into what i do with the final mock draft and and then seeing you know how this stuff plays out with especially right at the very top with this draft i mean this is another draft where uh, you know, everybody was kind of really sure what was going to happen at one, and then it kind of just flipped, and now it just seems like full steam ahead in that. I do still think there's a chance that C.J. Stroud could go number one, but at, at this point, it, it seems pretty obvious that that, that Bryce Young is going to be the pick. So uh, as far as I go, it starts there, and then I think I mentioned this before we jumped on. It's like this thing could quickly go off the rails depending on what happens, like at number two and then even into the top five, because I think there are a lot of – uh, picks right there at the very top, top 10 that are still really hard to call, um, looking at what teams can and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, willing to do. And then even some talk about some teams jumping up uh, into the top 10, depending on who's there. So uh, that's just a little bit about me. I, I do this all at NFLDraftPlex.com. Uh, so all of the boards and uh, mocks go up there. And I even just off whim put together a first round mock last night. And when I was done, I was like, this might be it. And we're 10 days ahead of the draft. And I'm like, okay, that's good, but it could be really, really dangerous for me for, <laughs> from scoring purposes, because a lot of things can still happen here in the next, you know, week and change. So that's, that's kind of where we are now. No disrespect. I promise you it's not it. Uh, it's <laughs> just so much that happens and, you know, it feels so good when it all comes together, you know, I get it. Cause I play around, I actually have the tab open. Like I, the, the well, what I do for the first round, constantly messing around with it. Um, you're like, oh, this this fits and this makes sense. And it's like, it's almost like we talk about like building a DFS lineup or a showdown lineup that tells a story. Like this lineup, this this, this first round 
makes sense schematically. Then, you know, we still got five, six trades that'll happen that we don't even mm-hmm. know about. It throws the whole thing off. So, um, yeah, that's the, the interesting thing about mine is what it, when I went through it, like the, about, you know, eight, nine, 10, all the way on, it doesn't make sense for what I had thought going into it. And that's why I was like, I feel pretty good about this because it's not necessarily what I've seen out there. And so I think, you know, for what I do, I, I know a lot of people stick with chalk. I just like to take that big swing. <laughs> we'll see what happens. And and sometimes it works. So you take that deep cut and in 2020, it worked uh, last couple of years and not quite as advantageous to me. But, uh, you know, like I said, it's not something that where I'm looking at and it's like, oh, everybody has this pick. Everybody has this pick. Everybody has this pick. Because as you mentioned, like, you're lucky if you get half of this right between fits and then also just players going in the first round so we'll see how it goes i'm sure i'll be sitting there looking at it and staring at it right up until the deadline to to, to drop it in but but we'll see I, I feel okay about it right now but uh that can certainly change definitely well for the listeners we're preparing you with the best scott's been uh one of the best for a long time um and is you know really plugged in again if you're tuning in for the first time i think you can go back there's i think really good takeaways in our previous shows, even though, you know, some betting markets have moved, I think some of the insight that Scott's been able to, to give to us and um, I think has made all of us in our process a little bit better. Connor, I want to go to you real quick before we move on to some of the number two stuff. You talked about Scott Fitterer, the Panthers GM, saying the decision has not been made. I agree about that. As we're recording, I believe CJ Stroud is in-house uh, meeting with the, uh, you know, with the Panthers. Is it to you at this point, a essentially a two-man race, or is there any viability to anyone outside of Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, knowing that Bryce Young, obviously the Benny markets are telling us that it's it's almost done. Yeah, so uh, one of our listeners, Patrick, brought it up, how bored will CJ Stroud and Will Levis be on their visits today because they are on the same day, which I found very interesting and unique. Uh, I think that in itself might be a little bit telling. I'm not sure how much we can take away from that. But I did think something was interesting from Scott Fitterer's conference today. He had some little bit that didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. It was, he said, oh, you know, whatever quarterback we take, there's no pressure to get on the field. They can sit behind Andy for a little bit if they need to develop. And for me, I was like, that's not a really a weird, a normal thing you'd say if you really were like, oh, Bryce Young is the guy because Bryce Young is the most, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are very like much like the most like pure ready to go passers. So that kind of made brought me back to Anthony Richardson. I was like, okay, well, you know, I they talk nonstop about Bryce Young for thirty minutes, so there's plenty of other quotes you could have pulled there. But the way just him saying that after talking about Bryce Young for twenty minutes was a little bit strange uh, and something that I thought was worth noting because again, if it's not finalized, you never know. Um, but that being said, I think. Probably at this point, it's best to operate under the assumption that it'll be Bryce. Yeah, we'll do that probably here for the sake of the show as we get into kind of the rest of the board. I'm kind of there, and I, I don't know what it is. Like, it's not typically my style, but I feel that way this week with all, like, some of the movement. And I feel like anything right now that people want to tell you is, like, locked in, really without source, just speculative, just with, like, mass group think. Um, I feel real, I just feel more likely to push back on some of that. Uh, because I just feel like their draft is more wide open than partially because there aren't a lot of like top level talents in this spot. I think once you get through at a certain spot and we can talk about where that teardrop is, you kind of have a lot of wide open stuff from like, say 10 to 40 uh, and they could just go a lot of different ways. So when there's massive group think in one area, 
especially in the betting markets. I'm going to try to lean and find opportunities to get some plus numbers that are going against that a little bit. So we'll move to two. There's been not just movement at the top at one, the movement of who's going to, and some of the posturing that's been coming out of Houston in terms of, well, look, Bryce Young has been their guy, again, allegedly, and we're not feeling like we ha- we have to take a quarterback at that spot. Hey, look, the division's wide open. We went 3-2-1 and one in the division last year with Davis Mills. We got a new defensive-minded head coach. He's got a long leash. Why don't we build it on the defensive side of the ball, and we'll wait. We'll see if we can position ourselves for a quarterback another year. Um, there could be some posturing there in terms of having, say, a division rival at number four, and the Colts have to move up and give up some assets to draft the quarterback that they've identified that they like. Um, or maybe they are willing to go, Scott, without a quarterback at two. Uh, where are you right now in the Texans? Obviously a massive movement in terms of Will Levis uh, being the number two pick, who's basically been the fourth guy uh, for a couple of weeks here, clearly. And now maybe he's getting some steam and maybe that makes some sense. Yeah, right now I think you can get even money on um, on both Levis and Stroud at like plus 300, I think, at DraftKings to uh, go ahead and, and be that second player off the board. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because there's not even uh, – uh, We've we've been talking to Will Anderson as like the top defensive player coming off the board, but there there's been a lot of steam towards Tyree Wilson. I've been trying to to dig up and, and I've reached out to a few people. I've heard that his his medicals have come back good on a recheck there. He had the first week of April, so it, any any you know drop off that he might have had you know outside of the top ten due to medical reasons is, is kind of off the board. And 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 a lot of teams and, and a lot of scouts are. are basically saying that he's the best pass rusher in in this draft, even over Will Anderson. Will Anderson may be a cleaner prospect than a lot of these other guys, but he might not have that that elite upside that some of these other guys do. Tyree Wilson's kind of been compared to Chandler Jones um, with his wingspan and, and kind of the way he plays a little bit. And 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 look, Lance Erlon's supposed to be the guy that's plugged in there in Houston, and he had them taking you know Tyree Wilson there at two. So you know it, it's it can go a number of different ways here at Houston. And, and just to kind of piggyback on what Connor said, God help us if. The, the first pick is Anthony Richardson, and we're all surprised. It's going to throw a, a nuclear bomb in the middle of all mock drafts. So I, I think for the way I'm going to proceed, and I'll probably put out a mock draft here in the next day or two, I'm going to proceed with Bryce Young there at one. And I just don't see the 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 way that Houston can pass up on CJ Stroud at two. I, I don't buy the, the narrative that they don't want him because he's got the same – you know, agent is what Deshaun Watson did. And and I've heard the opposite that, you know, at the end of that negotiation, there was no beef between, you know, the agent and the team. So I, I just don't see them. I don't see a reason for them to pass up on, on CJ Stroud. And there's, there's been scouts that think that CJ Stroud's actually a good fit for Houston. So, you know, that's, that's kind of where I sit, where I'm leaning right now is Stroud going at two. Where are you at with two, Jason, in terms of quarterback, no quarterback, and if it is a quarterback, which one is it? And then, you know, again, this is kind of the nature of it. It's all two, right? It's quarterback, yes or no, and then it's which quarterback. And then it's if it's two, well, now we've moved off of the perfect prospect, allegedly, Will Anderson, for, you know, a year and a half, and now Tyree Wilson is the new shiny toy. Where are you with the Texans at two? Yeah, I think I think we're just in that orbit of any one of those possibilities. The one I would have a hard time with is them taking Will Levis at two. I can see them if they don't go quarterback at two and say they do do go with Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson trying to come back around at 12 or maybe a little bit of a trade up 
uh, into ten to pick up Levis. I just, I just feel like I know like like the 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 going opinion is like if if a quarterback is your guy, that's you take him, right? It doesn't matter where where he is. We saw that with like the Giants with Daniel Jones years ago. Um, so right now, I've come around to the idea of them not going quarterback at two. I think from a from a you know, like a fan base perspective, that's not going to make anybody happy. But you you look at kind of where like D'Amico Ryan's come from, like in San Francisco, where they got a team built around and then they had a bus driver, game manager type quarterback that's been successful. Sure, they did do that big trade for Trey Lance, but thus far, we've seen no returns from that. Uh, and, and if you want to actually compete in that division, like what are you going to do if you don't have the quarterback? Well, it hasn't been that strong, but Jacksonville obviously is rising. They've they've got a stud with Trevor Lawrence, um, and but you look at the te- the Texans. I don't know how far away that they are from actually competing for that division. So is the quarterback gonna gonna solve that? Yeah, you want to hit your wagon to a guy early, uh, but they could be in a position where let's get the best player. You know, they may see that as C.J. Stroud. They may see that as Will Anderson. They may see that as Tyree Wilson. Let's take that uh, player at two, and then when we come back at, at twelve you know, there, there's still some fluctuation you could have in terms of moving up, depending on how that board falls, because I don't think we're going to see four quarterbacks in the top five. I think we'll see probably three. Uh, I think if Houston passes, I think, I think either Indianapolis or, you know, maybe the Raiders, maybe the Titans are going to jump up to three with Arizona. And that's where CJ Stroud is going to go. I think he'll be the second quarterback off the board uh, one way or the other. Um, so, so we'll see how that plays out, but right now I've come around the idea of, you know, maybe, maybe they will take, take, uh, Will Anderson at two, like he's a clean prospect, Tyree Wilson. There is some buzz about him high, having the highest ceiling. I did see, uh, Peter Schrager's mock this morning. He had the, the Colts actually trading up to two with Houston, which, you know, can happen, but you know, you, you don't know a trade like that within the division, but I think DeForest Buckner was the piece within that. So you could see how that could work. And then they ended up taking Tyree Wilson. So uh, me for, for, I'm still kind of going back and forth with the quarterback. Uh, It would be CJ Stroud. I think Scott has a good point. It's like, I know the, the, the hot take would be like, Oh, they don't want to deal with the agent. It's not like, David Mugletta doesn't represent a lot of different players. So you're going to have to work with him regardless. So if there's no beef there, they shouldn't have a problem taking CJ Stroud at two. And that probably actually would be the best choice for them to make moving forward. If they're really looking to, you know, compete and start, you know, getting to Biko Ryan's, his guy to, to, to kind of connect it to hip and, and move forward with his team as they, you know, start a new regime. So. Yeah, no, I think that, uh, beyond Connor, that you, too, your, your thoughts on the Texans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Sorry. it's uh it's one of those things where I have kind of been digging deep on like the Texans like dynamics up top. And something that I had, you know, gotten passed along to me was that uh you know Nick Serio is not really in a great position right now. Um and from my understanding, there were some offseason dynamics that didn't really play out his way, and it kind of leads me to believe that uh like Cal McNair, you know, essentially the owner at this point, or you know, the owner's son. Uh, might step in and overrule Casario if he doesn't like the decision that he's making. So I think a very, like just, I guess, from my outsider point of view on this, it would be that Casario is very happy with taking a defensive player and D'Amico Ryan's probably happy with that uh, because D'Amico is, you know, six-year contract or whatever it was. Um, and Casario's like, oh, I'm just going to build the best team and we'll be good in the future. Now, does Cal agree with that? Uh, does that, you know, jive with kind of the thoughts of the franchise's direction? I'm not sure. And it would not be surprising to see the owner overturn that. Now we've seen in Lance Zierlein's mock 
originally had them trading up to seven to pick Will Levis. We've seen uh, multiple people, other report that Will Levis is their second quarterback on the board for better or worse. You know, again, I don't know how true that is, but that's just what was reported. Uh, we've also heard three other things on the defensive prospect. They don't go quarterback that we've heard that Will Anderson is a perfect grade for them. We've also heard that they prefer Tyree Wilson. Uh, I don't buy the whole Will Anderson as a perfect grade thing. I think that anyone knowing that at this point would be kind of ridiculous. Uh, but, you know, I think at this point we've seen Lance say multiple times who has been basically like a, a keyboard warrior on Twitter, you know, for the last couple of days with his replies saying like, I had Tyree over there over Will Anderson for a reason. Um, he said, I have Will Anderson ranked over Tyree. Do the math on why I have Tyree over Will Anderson in my mocks. That was, I think, basically the quote that he said multiple times on Twitter. So for someone who nailed both their draft picks last year and has a pretty decent insight, I think that's worth noting as well. Uh, so personally, I didn't go either way, but right now I'm leaning towards it being, you know, not Will Anderson. That would be kind of my lean. It would be one of those, uh, one of those three. So Levis, Stroud, um, or Tyree Wilson, gun to the head. I think the owner forced them to pick Will, pick Will Levis or CJ Stroud. You know, the one pushback I would have just on it not being a quarterback at that point, they're picking there at 12. Uh, you know, supply and demand as far as the quarterbacks go, if somebody's going to trade up, it's probably going to be for a quarterback. So there, there's a high possibility if they don't pick a quarterback there at, at two, that that quarterback that they want may not make it there to 12. Whereas you start looking at defenders and you still have edge rushers there that are, are ranked pretty highly, um, you know, whether it be Lucas Van Ness, Nolan Smith, you know, a few of these other guys, there's a supply of edge rushers in this first round should they decide to either take one there at 12 or even move back a little bit. And that's why I still am on the quarterback side of things here. And we have to do this at times. We have to separate any thoughts around our thoughts of the prospect himself. And we can talk about Will Levis and the questions that he has as a passer and all of those things. It seems to be pretty clear. Now, we've talked about Mike Lombardi on this show before. Like He's plugged in. And whether he's right or wrong, he has been around long enough to definitely have some sources around the league and has been very adamant that the Colts at four have Levis as their next guy ahead of CJ Stroud uh, and a, definitely ahead of Stroud. And then the Stroud-Richardson conversation is one that needs to be had. So maybe the Texans know that as well. And maybe this is another level of posturing to try to get the Colts to move up to two to give up something to, to get their guy. Because I think the Levis team is not just team. I do think it's kind of baked into some, I think, actionable news in terms of where the hierarchy is for some of these quarterbacks. So the Stroud thing gets really interesting because you start to see a, a possibility where he can really slide a little bit. Um, whereas I could see someone maybe being enamored with all the tools that an Anthony Richardson has. So, yeah, I mean, the two thing is really interesting. Connor, I can get back to you for three with the Cardinals. We've been waiting for the trade. The market kind of told us that the trade was definitely happening based off of the Will Anderson number. Now that moved back massively because the Will Anderson number back at three and a half is basically even money. And then a lot of reports are saying there's just not a lot of people dying to get up to that spot at three. Yeah, one last bit here on two, though. So Will Levis uh, was like 10 to one yesterday. And then I know a, a syndicate uh, that claims that they had good intel, uh, say we started kind of like bombing that line. We're sitting at Will Levis plus 250, plus 180. He's a favorite to be the second overall pick at Caesars. Now, again, that's not fully indicative of what's going to happen, but uh, I certainly think that I'm I'm not the only one who's heard that they could be interested in Will Levis. Now, again, that might be posturing. So now the third overall pick, though, I think is massively influenced by this whole 
hullabaloo at the top with whether or not, you know, because if if they go one Bryce Young, what do the Texans do? And that really impacts the Cardinals' ability to potentially trade out of this pick. If CJ Stroud's sitting there at three, I mean, they are much better off waiting until the draft and that happening and then getting someone to trade up for CJ Stroud if his value is as reflected in the media. And It was such a hot take that you know, the internet wasn't ready for it all at once. Are you sharing my internet right now? I think maybe you're sharing my yeah, internet. Yeah, I'm on back in a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, the three thing is interesting because, uh, you know, they have so many needs. They have a ton of needs defensively, right? We know that they need a corner. We know that they need an edge. Um, they were there in a spot where it maybe is a little early for any of them. Um, you feel like you're missing an opportunity, Scott, to sit there at three and just take the best guy on your board knowing that there are a lot of options for teams to want to move up. When you start digging into it, initially it was reported that, uh, you know, there were six teams calling the Cardinals looking to move up. Um, I've only been able to confirm three. The one that interests me the most is actually Detroit, who is rumored to be in love with Tyree Wilson, infatuated was the word that was used, and then also to be interested in the possibility of C.J. Stroud because that's a team that is moving in a certain direction. They're trending upward, and they may not be able to, to have this opportunity in the near future, in the coming years, to draft a quarterback like C.J. Stroud to, to possibly replace Derek Goff. So that's one of the teams that I, I'm kind of interested to see what they're going to do here in that spot. Yeah, it looks like Noonan's frozen again. But yeah, I think if, if the Cardinals do stay pat here, Jason, I'm interested in your opinion. Like, say say the board falls with, you know, if they have their choice of, of pick and they have to stay at three, who are they going to pick? Yeah, I think I think it comes down to either one of those t- two top edge rushers or one of those two corners. Um, so, so Anderson, Wilson, Gonzalez, Witherspoon. Uh, you know, I think Will Anderson has been the, kind of the prevailing favorite kind of this whole time, um, just because, you know, they're starting over fresh, uh, you know, it's a, a good, safe, you know, high floor, maybe not as high ceiling uh, pick as you you might want to think with, with Tyree Wilson. So uh, they'd be in a good spot to just draft whoever the best defensive player is on their board. Um, but certainly I think they, they would want to hold out, uh, you know, just because they're they've got so many needs to to kind of get some picks and whoever could get the best offer, obviously that offer would get you know there, there's the balance right of having a, an offer from further down. They'll probably give you more, uh, but you do probably drop out of the range of all four of those guys depending on how far you go. Uh, if they go past maybe seven eight, you know if you if say like Tennessee were to jump up, uh, the, the Detroit one's interesting. I hadn't I hadn't seen that uh, as of yet, but I could certainly see that. Uh, based on who's there, uh, especially if they wanted to, to go up and get the quarterback because, you know, with the, with the pick that they have at six, it is kind of house money because it's from the, the trade with the Rams. So uh, take your shot while you got it. And, and as Scott mentioned, they're a team that's, that's on the rise and uh, are looking to compete now. Um, so if they could go ahead and set themselves up for the future, I mean, they'll, they certainly have a lot of picks in this draft. So they, they could be a player to, to move up or down depending on uh, what they'd like to do. And another interesting part with Arizona sitting there at three, when we start trying to figure out who it is that might trade up, you know, they've had some confirmed meetings with both Will Anderson and, and Tyree Wilson, but no top 30 visits. When you start looking at their top 30 visits, their top 30 visits have been with a lot of the top tackles and offensive linemen in this draft. So, you know, they could be gearing up for the potential to move down as far as as 11 with Tennessee or, you know, in that range where they may be looking at offensive line help rather than drafting one of these top defensive players. 
Yeah, it looks yeah. like eight visits from the offensive line. Um, Sam Hoppin, our data guy here at 4 for 4 put together some of that a chart tracking some of that stuff. I think it echoes Scott's point there, too. Connor's an opportunity lost for the Cardinals to sit there at three and just make a pick. Well, I mean, if you look at their roster, it seems like everything we've heard coming up to the draft, and I've reached out to multiple people as well, like, hey, what are they trading down? You know, and the answer I keep getting was, that has been the plan the entire time. Now, the question is, if every team knows that, you know, are they going to try and rip them off? Are they going to try and, you know, not get face value for this move? Uh, and would the Cardinals still accept that? And personally, I think they would. With the current state of their roster, they just need so many more picks that even if you're moving back a couple spots, if you have a you know, second or, you know, maybe like something like later, like you just need so many more, so much help all over the board that I wouldn't be surprised if they take a deal where, and you're like, oh, this, they should have gotten way more than that. But I mean, again, you sit there and you pick a guy like Tyree or Will Anderson, if they're not going to change your franchise, which, I don't know if either of them probably are, then you probably have to move down and just take more picks. Last week, Daigle was the first time that I've really heard anyone really push back on the thought on the Colts taking a quarterback at four. Seems like they can be there and be caught holding the bag and, and get whoever's left. Um, not a lot of excitement there, but again, if Will Levis is their guy, uh, tough to see where like it feels like Chris Ballard may be fighting to keep his job. They have... A quarterback in Gardner Minshew is familiar with Shane Sykin's system. Is that a tough sell for the, you know, the local fan base? Probably a little bit, but uh, you know, again, you keep hearing these thoughts around Seattle at five, Detroit at six. Hey, we don't have plans of coming back up here and drafting uh, for you know another handful of years. Like, well, respectfully, no shit. No one plans on drafting inside the top five, top six, year in and year out. Um, if you don't identify one of those quarterbacks as being the guy, then. You know, that's a different thing. Those are definitely Jason, like two of the, you know, I know you touched on a little bit, but like those are the variables around the quarterback here because they are the luxury picks. Um, we want to have a team trade in ahead with Arizona to identify someone that wants one of these guys, but you know, they kind of hold a power position sitting there at five and six. Yeah, I think with Indianapolis, I saw Jim Mersey treated, tweeted something out that showed all four of the quarterbacks and people were noting the order that Anthony Richardson was first. And I and I think, you know, once they kind of set in place, having Gardner Minshew, I think Anthony Richardson became a real possibility for them. Um, I don't know if that's still the case, uh, especially depending on where CJ Stroud goes. I think you might want to especially with Chris Ballard, you know, probably being on the hot seat this year after so many different whiffs at trying to get a quarterback in there that's going to work and, and go in the veteran route. Uh, you know, Anthony Richardson would probably buy him some buy him some time, but I think CJ Stroud would be like the one where it's like, okay, we can put him in right away and, and we're we're taking our shot with with somebody who can come out of the gate as a starter day one. And, and Minshew would kind of be like the bridge uh, for an Anthony Richardson if they were in that place. And I think that would be the the play for them. If somebody does move into three uh, ahead of them, they'd probably go Richardson and, and and maybe use that as buying him some time to to develop. Um, but yeah, the, I, I thought it was interesting to go the route of them not taking a quarterback. I don't want to say they're forced into doing that, but it's like you you have to do that based on the way that the past few years have gone. And, and you know, I, I don't know about the, the, uh, the Levis team there. I mean, I think that would make sense for them. It would be, uh, again, a, a hard, hard time for me to, to try to, to, to make that work in my head that that's going to be their guy, especially depending on the different scenarios that could play out, but them going with, with a corner or an edge, I just feel like would be, you know, throwing more resources at the defense when your offense is just still going to have, I don't think, you know, Gardner Minshew is, 
is probably a league, you know, average to below average starter. Uh, uh, certainly, you know, everybody's been waiting for him to get maybe another opportunity, having bounced around from Jacksonville to Philadelphia. And, you know, now in Indianapolis, I just think, like you said, he's somebody that knows the playbook, can be, step in, can be either the bridge or spot starter, depending on what happens there. Uh, but but Indy, I think, is almost in a position where they have to take the quarterback, uh, whether that's the third, second, maybe even the fourth. I don't think it's be the fourth, but we'll see what happens. Connor, any interest there in a non-quarterback for the Colts? No, I think they absolutely have to take quarterback. I mean, I'll I'll gladly, if any of our listeners want some side action, I'll lay three to one, you know, minus three hundred on it. If they want three to one and them not taking quarterback, uh, I will I will gladly take that action because I think they are locked into a quarterback. Also, what's worth noting, Jason, is that so Urse tweeted out the pictures, but when you when you screenshot pictures, it comes up in reverse order. So when you go to select them, that means that he he screenshotted Levis first. And ah. then, and then, like it goes in reverse order, so it'll appear, it appeared Anthony Richardson, like all that, just the way he uploaded it. So I thought that was funny. Uh, yeah, as someone who's who's a social media manager over here, you know, learned that the hard way. But uh, it's uh, yeah, I think you're right. I, I think that they're going to take a quarterback here, um, basically no matter how the board falls. I don't know if they would consider trading up for three. They seem pretty happy staying uh, at four, but I kind of worry about like, I mean. The whole point of them needing a quarterback is like, can Chris Ballard needs to keep his job? Is Anthony Richardson good enough in year one for him to keep his job? Like, is that Minshew Richardson kind of stopgap going to work? I mean, I tend to lean towards no, but obviously, you know, I'm not in his shoes, so uh, maybe they think so. But I don't. That would be the only scenario where I think they didn't wouldn't pick wouldn't pick quarterback. But Shane Steichen's history, obviously, I think he's confident enough that I think they'd be just fine with Richardson. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of Riley. I think it's quarterback, like 100. percent I'll stay with you, Connor, too. How about the Lions and the in the Seahawks? Luxury picks, um, we're told, but both you know could use a long-term option at the position, right? Jared Goff, uh, and in you know Geno Smith, both kind of similar, right? They filled in nicely. They're probably league average, but the rest of the roster is really ready to compete. And if you can get a young signal caller in there on a rookie deal. And you're already kind of in the spot where you're going to be one of the favorites, closer to the favorites of your division. You're in a pretty good spot for the next handful of years if you hit on the quarterback. Do you think that either of these teams or which one would be more likely to take a quarterback between Seattle at five and Detroit at six? Yeah, I think probably Seattle at five. I like that uh, Jason has Anthony Richardson slotted in there, I believe, in his latest mock. I think that makes a ton of sense. Rob Stadden has gone on about saying that he thinks it makes a ton of sense as well with Geno Smith on a you know, one year or on a deal that, you know, they can easily get out of after one year. Uh, and then I think for Detroit specifically as well, like we know what Jared Goff is. We, I actually had this argument today. We have a six year sample now of Jared Goff being above average when he has weapons and a great system and being just absolute dog shit when he doesn't, you know, like if he's a, sum of his parts quarterback at this time, that doesn't mean that the lions can't win. It's that, like you said, they're probably going to pick what mid twenties next year, late twenties. Like, you know, they're probably going to win the division. Like you're not in the range to get a quarterback. I mean, we're looking at it right now with Tampa Bay with Washington, or even out of that kind of discussion, they would certainly be in play for a quarterback if they had like enough ammo to get up there, but they don't. And so they're screwed. So it's like, you know, if for some reason things aren't working out in Detroit, uh, you know, I think that a quarterback would make a ton of sense there at six. Like Scott said, also too, I didn't know that they were considering trading up. I think that adds a little bit more fuel to the fire as well. Um, I, yeah, I think that they're still in play, even if it's they're probably more more likely to go with a win now option, like a Devin Witherspoon, like Jason has. And I think we've all been connecting. Um, I think that if the board falls a certain way or if they, 
you know, again, like they have CJ Stroud is like their number one prospect in the last three years or something. Like maybe they trade up to three for him and get him. So I think all those are very reasonable options. Yeah, it's definitely interesting and in, in makes piecing this together. Again, this scenario where they decide not to and they hold on and, and do what we've all kind of been, you know, pinpointing there would be to address the cornerback position. They don't have anyone on the roster outside of 2023 under contract at corner outside of, you know, Cam Sutton, who they just signed from Pittsburgh. You know, they do need to address that down the road here as well. And again, you know, they have some other picks and there is some cornerback depth in this draft relative to some other positions. So you can do that at 18. You can start to hit that in the second round. There's some guys that are viable options there. It just depends on on what they want to do. That drumbeat is getting a little louder uh, for both clubs. And I do think it makes sense for both. Uh, it just gets uh, pretty interesting to see how that kind of plays itself out. The other thing I want to keep going back to is, Will Levis was a guy that we had, you know, you see some mocks, he's fallen all the way down to, to Tampa Bay, or, you know, we had some stuff where, you know, he's going 11 to Tennessee who definitely needs to address the position long-term. But I kind of believe some of the stuff we're hearing on Will Levis. And again, like it's juiced out there now. I believe six and a half is his over under. I just don't see him getting past maybe four at the Colts as ugly as it might be. And maybe we like CJ Stroud a little bit more. Uh, we like Anthony Richardson's ceiling a little bit more. It just feels like there's going to be one of these teams at the top that likes Will Levis. So, again, if that continues to get a little bit louder, even though that's a little bit longer juice than we like to lay, the Levis under six and a half starts to feel like a bet that uh, I'm willing to make here in the next week or so if uh, that gets a little bit louder. So, again, the number will move. But, again, if we're going to be able to be on the right side of it and timing-wise – uh, that's why you want to be in the Discord when we fire those things off. That could be something that uh, be something that I'd be interested in playing here. Um, then we get to the Raiders, Scott. Who look? We talked about the Jimmy G structure. The contract is really team friendly. It gives them the ability to to lean on Jimmy if he's really good, or get out of it fairly quickly and a pretty team friendly deal. The Raiders are another one of these teams as we kind of get into this range. Raiders, Falcons, Bears at seven, eight, nine that just have a ton of needs. Really, really hard to pinpoint a specific need for these teams, knowing that they have a ton of ways to go. Where do you think the Raiders get in the mix? Because we've talked about the Raiders being a team that maybe fell short of the Panthers and moving up to get that number one pick for the Bears. There's been a lot of C.J. Stroud talk there as well. Could this be the floor for Stroud? What do you think the Raiders are looking at? Yeah, I think it is the floor for Stroud, but I I just look at that that team and that team has struggled defensively, and, and I just get the the impression that that team is you know with the history that they have with Garoppolo and the coaching staff, I think they're a little bit more confident in Garoppolo than what you know general fans are, and that team has has not failed every year because of Derek Carr. It's been more for the defense, and I think when when you have the possibility that one of these these defensive players, whether it be Tyree Wilson, Will Anderson, or either of the two the two top cornerbacks, that's where I tend to lean, you know, with with this pick here. And I, I think that the Raiders roster is bad enough and will have a decent amount of turnover next year to the point where they could be in play if Garoppolo fails to be up here again, drafting again and possibly hitting on one of the quarterbacks in next year's draft. So I tend to think that they're gonna go defense and, and you know, I like one of the cornerbacks personally, whether it be Devin Witherspoon or Christian Gonzalez. Yeah, they could they could be back in there. You're in the division though with Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. You kind of want to have something there uh, in terms of the quarterback position. But again, maybe that's something that they can address next year. The defense is terrible, so it'd be uh, hard for them to to bypass that as well. Um, it's been 
consistent from this show. It's been starting to be consistent in a lot of other mocks too, Jason. I know that and part of it is I've been told that you're a Cowboys fan. I saw in your recent seven-round mock draft that B. John Robinson conveniently slipped all the way down to the Cowboys at 26. We've been talking about him going to the Falcons quite often. Again, just maybe a franchise that says, hey, we're just going to go off of the top of our board. We know that Arthur Smith loves to run the football. That's been – I'm a little reluctant because it kind of flies in the face of what I was talking about earlier is like, it's becoming like the consensus thought where, you know, we got down at 34 to one for the for the Falcons to take a running back or, you know, 30 to take Bijan. Now it's like plus, you know, 210 or something crazy. Um, what are your thoughts on Bijan? I mean, he's a really hard one to, to pinpoint because of just how the NFL looks at running backs in general. Yeah. I've come around to that scenario that you guys have presented with Atlanta because, uh, you know, every time I do one of the early mocks, I do the, the 1.0, the super mock, the seven round. It's kind of just, this is a scenario of how this board fell, right? It's not, it's not necessarily slotting it. Um, so I, I do think, you know, Bijan goes much earlier than probably most people think for a first round running back. Cause I think it, he is a special talent. Uh, and Atlanta does seem like the spot now because they do have, uh, I won't say that they're set at quarterback, but they have, you know, Ritter, who they probably want to see a little bit more from before they make a choice there. They brought Taylor Heineke in uh, as a free agent pickup. The defense does need a little bit of help, but they did, you know, they they had the Akuta trade, which we'll see what comes out of that. So, I mean, I think corner is still a possibility. Uh, they did pick up a couple of young edge players last year and so they might want to see more from that to see how they develop they signed uh, Kalijah Kansi they signed David Onyemata um so I think you know if you want to protect whoever's playing quarterback you want to keep the defense off the field how do you do that you run the ball and uh Bijan is somebody that could do that they could put him you know either with or in place of Tyler Algier who did you know have a thousand yards last year uh but Bijan also gives him another weapon in the passing game so I think that that could be the appeal of him not just being, you know, he's a guy you just hand the ball off to 30, 30 times. You can use him within that offense in different ways. So he makes him a little bit more of a weapon than just, you know, your 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 standard, you know, mid-round running back who who will just plug in and and you hand him the ball off and, and that's what you get. Uh, and, and you're not going to have a high ceiling. B. John does have that high ceiling. He could be a Derrick Henry type player in Arthur Smith's offense. And, you know, you put him with, you know, with Pitts, with Drake London, all of a sudden now you've got a little bit of weapons around whoever is going to be playing quarterback. You keep the defense off the field. Uh, so it, it does make a whole heck of a lot of sense uh, for them to look at that, you know, going with that running back early there at eight for Atlanta. Connor still holding strong with Bijan? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense from an outsider point of view. Uh, like everything that Jason said just makes a ton of sense. We've talked about it relentlessly on the show, but I don't know. I mean, maybe I just don't have sources in Atlanta, but I haven't heard shit that they like anyone right now. So, I mean, my kind of most of the buzz has been like edge, you know, like like edge or, you know, defensive lineman. But I, I mean, it's tough not to pencil them there. That being said, I'm not taking like plus 200 on Bijan to Atlanta. I think, I think at that point, like the market's already gone. I'd rather take a stab on them somehow not doing that. Um, but I guess it goes back to the question, like if not Atlanta, then who? You know, because I have questions about him in Philly. I don't really think that he would go there. You know, Tennessee, if they trade Derrick Henry, maybe. But, you know, they need so much other stuff that it's crazy. Houston doesn't make a whole lot of sense as well. Uh, I mean, like, there's next teams like Washington. I don't know. I mean, like, that I could see reasonably consider taking a running back. So, again, I think I'm definitely leaning towards Atlanta because it makes a ton of sense. But I want actual – like, 
I, I don't know. Has there been like a single report like, oh, the Atlanta Falcons love Bijan? No, I, we've seen like they're locked on Falcons guys uh, talking about it and, you know, getting really excited about like some of the market movement. I've seen some of those tweets. Right. Again, that's not, you know, actionable content. That's, you know, respectfully fanboys getting really excited about them taking a really <laughs> exciting prospect. Because uh, he is, he's right. He's awesome. You know, if you're just, you know, you're a Falcons fan, it's like that's an exciting guy to be toting the rock. 20 times a game for you. And, uh, you know, that makes a ton of sense. But yeah, not a lot of actionable stuff there. I kind of agree with Jason. They have taken some steps to improve the defense. Still a need for sure, but it makes me feel a little bit more likely. Uh, and the offensive line, there's continuity there. It's not a great offensive line, but like they're basically you know, running it back. And uh, from a pass block win rate, they were pretty, they were pretty good. They're pretty solid. So it's not a spot where like they need to address it in the first round. They very much well could. Uh, but again, like, it doesn't feel like there's a glaring need, especially if you are locked in on saying, hey, Desmond Ritter's who we're moving forward with. The Bears are interesting. We're starting to hear rumors and, and talks. The Bears are really trying to continue to, to stockpile uh, because they're another team that needs a lot. And they've already done so by moving from one to nine. Uh, there is some interest apparently to continue to move back. There are a lot of needs at, say, maybe tackle. Um, and this is a pretty deep, especially in the first round, tackle draft there's a number of guys that you can stay inside the first round and get a guy that can plug and play for you for day one now they have lost basically everyone on the interior defensive line in free agency they have not addressed it whatsoever and Jalen Carter has spent um, numerous hours visiting the Bears allegedly and apparently it's gone fairly well um, Scott I'll kick it to you I mean the, the kind of the combination of the Bears and the uh, home for Jalen Carter who is, you know, by all means, clean prospects, uh, is going top five, at least. Um, but obviously, we know that's not the case. Yeah, I tend to have Jalen Carter as the the leader in the clubhouse there for Chicago. Um, it was interested in Peter Schrager's mock draft t- today. I think he had Devin, was it Devin Winston? No, excuse me, it was uh, Christian Gonzalez there. So that was one that I, I hadn't seen and a little bit unique across the uh, the industry, but I think when we start talking about it, you know, there there is a, a good case that, you know, look, Jalen Carter doesn't make it down to nine. If Jalen Carter doesn't make it down to nine, I think Chicago would be looking to move back a few spots to pick up some other assets. If not, I, I wholeheartedly think that they're going to go offensive line. Um, they've had visits with some of the top guys, and, and Darnell Wright's the name that I keep hearing is going to go a lot higher than people think. Um, he's had a, a top 30 visit there with Chicago. I, I actually heard that Chicago prefers him a little bit more than than Paris Johnson, allegedly. Um, but, you know, that's, that's just whispers that are out there right now but uh he's the name that i i keep hearing and we we even talked about it on the last show uh, i think there's some good numbers there on darnell right to be first offensive tackle off the board so you know it, it's something that i definitely think's worth taking a stab at yeah i believe it was seven last time we talked but i think it's down to like three three fifty or so so it has definitely started to get a little bit of action another name that's kind of been populating there and you'll see in a lot of mock drafts connor but you've been on this from the jump is peter skaronsky not being identified as a prospect for the bears. Um, Scaronzi's got a little bit of buzz going to the Eagles. His over under has moved a little bit. The Eagles are another team that, again, I feel very much that they're in play. And that was something I said in some of our early shows, I said, I'd be shocked if the Eagles stayed at 10 and made that pick. It's just not their MO historically to do so. Now, again, they could be in a spot very similar to Scott's point where they're waiting for the one guy. Unfortunately, the bears are right in front of them. And if that one guy, Jalen Carter doesn't fall, They'll be looking to, to trade back. Now we're also getting in the scenario where 
we've talked at least about three or four teams that want to trade back. We're not talking about a whole lot of teams that want to trade up. And that's kind of where the sticking point of this draft is going to be. So what are your thoughts on the Eagles? Yeah, no, it's, it's just tough. I think the Eagles are in an interesting spot. They could definitely trade back. You know, we've we've heard rumblings about Skronsky going there. Uh, and that's, I think, why it got some pretty strong money uh, there from, you know, our, our buddy uh, VR, you know, is interested in playing the under 11 and a half because that gives him an out with Tennessee, gives him an out with the Eagles, potentially the Bears if you thought they like him. Again, you know, I'm pretty confident at this point uh, with a combination of public and private sources that they do not. But, uh, you know, I think that he's in play for either 10 or 11. So that makes sense there. I know you were interested in buying back the other way at 10 and a half with plus money. Uh, and I think that that is certainly in play, uh, you know, as well. Uh, because again, it's like Philly or bust. They could easily trade down, but you know, trading down is way easier said than done. Uh, but that being said, there's always four or five teams that trade up every year. I mean, this we're we're in that Bijan Robinson range where I think Bijan Robinson could easily pick, be picked over any of these guys. Now, trading up for running back is another story, but uh, I think combination of you know different things here. I think that an over, I would probably lean over at plus money on ten and a half at Peter Scrancy because it really does feel like one out at that point. Um, but Paris Johnson is another tough one there. And to Scott's point, I, I think we're actually seeing still some like a plus 800 on Darnell Wright at FanDuel wow, okay. uh, to be first offensive lineman drafted. I know uh, John Daigle kind of touted that last week. And I think it makes a lot of sense if Chicago does stand pat and takes an offensive lineman there because, you know, I think that it could very easily be him there at nine to one or eight to one. So I think that's worth a look for sure. But I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to some of the Bears people, you know, keep my boots on the ground and, uh, see if we can get some of that finalized action here in, in the next week or so in Chicago. Yeah, I, I like that too. I think it's just uh, the Skronsky thing where VR played it at 11 and a half, I think makes a lot of sense. Now that you're at 10 and a half, I think it becomes pretty thin because I don't think you have a ton of outs. Um, again, I don't think Atlanta's a landing spot for him. And then Chicago seems like you know a spot based off of, again, the public information. We saw that little flash on the screen there with you know what they prioritize in terms of uh, traits and um, – Someone like Skaronski, and again, was very effective uh, in the Big Ten for a number of years. Shorter arms. It just doesn't seem like a spot that they want to go to. So you feel like you want to move off of that. Uh, Jason, any thoughts on the Titans? They, again, they kind of fit the bucket of some of these teams that we're talking about here. Uh, a lot of needs. Again, they, a quarterback stopgap for this year. Uh, a defense that's had quite a bit of turnover but continues to get coached up uh, above its maybe level of talent year in and year out. You know, they like, took a swing late in the draft last year with Malik Willis. We saw how that went. And really a team that's lost a lot of offensive line talent, has questionable wide receiver talent. And they were really hard to pinpoint uh, in terms of what they need and what they're going to do here at 11 if they stay there. Yeah, I think actually my whole way through, I've had them going with a tackle. And I think it's been Paris Johnson every time that I've done it. So um, I look at that. I mean, I guess the, the optics going in is they're going to put Andre Dillard at left tackle and he didn't even play last year. And he, before that he had lost his job in Philly. So I don't, I don't know if that's the best course of action there. And uh, you know, I, I think putting the Ohio state connection, they might just have a room full of Ohio state tackles if they went Paris Johnson, but I mean, Mike Rabel's the Ohio state guy, so they could do that. The quarterback thing is interesting. Uh, you know, Malik Willis just didn't work out last year. And I mean, you see reports of how, how, you know, tied to him, they are moving forward it doesn't seem good. Um, so I think that that's certainly a possibility depending on who's there, but we talked about him. These quarterbacks are probably all going to get, uh, 
get into the top 10. And so they might be left holding the bag unless they, uh, they try to trade up uh, for that. So, but, but it, offensive line, especially if the way this is falls, maybe, you know, Darnell Wright, Peter Scronsky go off the board. We could see that run of tackles there and, and the Titans take uh, whoever's left between, you know, maybe Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones. So I've kept them, uh, you know, pretty strong on offensive line. I think, you know, Rand Carthon coming from San Francisco, Obviously, their offensive line is, is a strength of their team, and you'd want to kind of do that uh, in Tennessee, especially if you're going to continue to run the ball. And whoever plays quarterback there in the future, where it's Tannehill for this year, and then you know maybe they pick somebody up later, you know, in the in the second round, maybe they look at Hendon Hooker uh, or somebody like you know maybe further down, uh, or even next year, uh, whoever that might be, uh, set them up uh, with, with a good front in front of them and, and try to move forward that way. But I, I think tackle is a good, a good spot for them uh, at 11. All right. Now we're kind of at that spot where, you know, 53 minutes in or so, I'm going to uh, tee it up, go around the horn a little bit. I'll let you guys talk about a player, a team situation that is of interest to you based off of what we're hearing. We're kind of back at the Texans. The Texans, what they do at 12, and if they stay at 12, I think is really – you know, it, what happens at two matters a lot for the Texans before we go really long there. Um, and Connor, I'll start with you. Is there anything, any player, any team situation kind of in the next few picks that is, uh, has caught your eye, anything that you want to kind of monitor or share with the folks? Yeah, I think uh, a couple of situations here, Pittsburgh, you know, obviously just traded for, uh, you know, Allen Robinson, however much that matters for wide receiver. I think he's kind of dust at this point. So uh, if for some reason you kind of had that pit for wide receiver, maybe that doesn't happen at 17. Uh, you know, again, I don't think that was a really popular thing, but I think it's worth noting. Nonetheless, uh, overall, though, uh, you know, they're starting to post the market to be a first round pick market uh, that was posted at some Canby shops. If you see any of those posted like right away, usually there's a couple guys that stick out. Uh, generally, my preference for betting that market is to take guys that we have a pretty strong read on going kind of in the teens or early 20s and just laying the juice, you know, so like they opened up Darnell Wright at only minus 220 to be a first round pick. Uh, I would be absolutely flabbergasted if Darnell Wright is not a first round pick. I mean, like, you know, one of these things where their implied probability is like 70%, you know, my implied probability in my head is probably like 98%, you know, something like that. So like, even if it's at minus 500, like I still think it's a good bet. So that's just kind of my takeaway early on here from some of the later guys here. Um, that being said, we can we get stuck sometimes with some of these fringe. I like the Emmanuel. I know Michael Murray is not really a fringe guy as much, but Kalaja Kansi has been really volatile. Kaylee Ringo. Uh, so those guys look like they could be values, but maybe not. Yeah, that's a good point. Scott, how about you? Yeah, one of the things that I've really been looking at is I'm just sick and tired of hearing about Hendon Hooker. Um, and, and just to piggyback off, we were just talking about with with Tennessee. I, I heard a report that came out, and you know they said that that Tennessee is looking to stay put at at eleven, possibly, and they're more likely to trade back up into the first round to to get Hendon Hooker than they are to trade up and give up the capital it's going to take to get up and, and take one of the other quarterbacks. Um, they, they are a team. Look, they've had multiple visits with Hendon Hooker, which makes a lot of sense. They're, they're there in Tennessee. Hendon Hooker played at Tennessee. So uh, it, it's one of the things that I'm monitoring. And, and look, a lot of these media guys, and I've been saying it, it makes no sense for one of these teams that are there from 21 on down to, to go ahead and take a quarterback. But looking at, at Tennessee, if Tennessee 
Tennessee does miss out on any of those top four guys and looking at what they have left a year on Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis not showing much that he, he's capable of playing quarterback in the NFL. You know, I, I think it's starting to get some seam that there is an outside shot that maybe, you know, they could move up on, on the back, you know, two or three picks of the, of the first round and, and get them. If, if Hendon Hooker's getting as much love from some of these people as he is, it's a possibility that I'm starting to warm up to, even though I don't think it's a smart play for a GM to do. Makes sense though. And I think that that is the best lesson I think anyone can have in listening to this is that, you know, we've all been there. We've been poking holes and almost kind of laughing at the thought of it again, 25 year old quarterback who ran a very limited one side of the field read type offense that hasn't translated super well to the NFL is coming off of an ACL injury. Like those are just like, Red flag, red flag, red flag. But it's been so consistent with the Hendon Hooker stuff. And some of it's not even like bottom of the first round. Some of it's like, oh, no, this is it's a borderline top 10 pick. Um, it, it just It's wild. So uh, Scott's ability to get off of his own take and not anchor to a thought, I agree, is correct. Uh, and be pliable to the new information that's coming in is the best takeaway I think you can have from listening to the show reading anything on Jason's website, like stay pliable to what's coming in with the new information because it is, again, it's an information market and new information does come in because the teams are still formatting and formulating their decisions here too. So uh, kudos to Scott who's, you know, willing to stay, you know, pliable and adaptable to the new information. Uh, Jason, you, uh, anything in this, you know, next range guys, we haven't talked about that is catching your eye team player, anything that you want to talk about? Yeah, I'm actually looking at right after what what we got talking about that 13, 14, 15 range with you got the Jets, you got the Patriots, you got the Packers. Uh, seeing what may or may not go down with an Aaron Rodgers trade, if that would involve a first round pick, and, and maybe that slots Green Bay in there at 13 as well, and then they have you know two picks separated by the Patriots in the middle, and I think. Uh, you know, that's the range where you want to look at where the first wide receiver might go off the board. Uh, I know Jackson Smith and Jigba is the favorite there. Um, I think the Patriots might like Zay Flowers better. Uh, they spent a lot of time with him at the Shrine Bowl, and if and if that put put that you know that information together, he might be the first wide receiver picked at 14. The Packers haven't picked a first round wide receiver in I don't know 20 years. It would be it would be sweet irony for them to do it after they trade Aaron Rodgers away. Uh, I don't know if they do it or not. I I think they're just committed to you know putting more resources into defense, maybe looking at offensive linemen. Uh, so just looking at what, how that happens. And then uh, if they don't take, you know, JSN, if the Patriots, you know, go with Zay Flowers, where does he, where does he go to? I, I see, you know, he could may, maybe end up uh, maybe at 20 with Seattle. So, I mean, the, the wide receivers are kind of what I'm looking at because I, I do think, it, it, you know, this is, that's not a strength of this class at the top. Um, I, I think Jim Nagy uh, from the senior bowl is the one that pointed out that, you know, he's talked to a lot of teams that they only have the one first round grade, which is uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. But again, you typically only have 18 to 20 first round proper grades. That doesn't preclude anybody from going in the first round proper. Um, but whoever that first wide receiver off the board is, I think is going to be interesting right in that range of, of 13, 14, 15. I'll just stay with you here for a second, Jason, too, because I noticed in your uh, mock, and again, it's probably a week or so uh, now, and maybe things have changed. Um, yeah. So <laughs> you definitely have the ability to uh, to back out of any take that's more than uh, 24 hours old. Sure. Um, I thought it was interesting. Dalton Kincaid was not in your first round. Um, you actually have him as the third tight end going. Um, you have both Darnell Washington and Dalton Kincaid going very early in the second round. Any thoughts or anything you're hearing on Kincaid? 
Um, again, he's he's moved from being you know second tight end on the board. The betting markets will tell you he's the favorite currently. Yeah, no, I, I think looking at, you know, he, he did get the clearance on the back injury. So, I mean, I've got him as, as I move forward with the, with the my next mock and the final one, he's going to be in the first round uh, and actually would be the first tight end off the board. So that was more just kind of precautionary and just seeing how, how that fell, depending on who it was. So I know there's there's definitely tight end talk happening in the back half of the first round with with Dallas now with with Cincinnati. Um, you know, maybe one or two other teams within there. Uh, and so I think da- Dalton and Kincaid will definitely be in that, that first, uh, you know, running with, with one of the, you know, the, the, the teams that could be looking for a tight end. He might probably be the first one off the board. All right. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah, cautioning wasn't able to test and wasn't doing a lot of the things the other guys were doing the position because of the back injury. So yeah, that makes sense. Scott, I want your take real quick on uh, Joey Porter Jr. Um, again, we'll shout out to our buddy VR who moved the Joey Porter Jr. market. Uh, with a, a late night bet on uh, Porter going over 16 and a half. And as VR can do with a bet, uh, the market shifts drastically. Folks aren't afraid to chase the steam. The 16 and a half has moved to 19 and a half. Um, you've been talking about this, and I know you're plugged into Washington. Washington has a needed cornerback. Um, I think the betting markets will tell you that that's the favorite position for them to take in the first round currently. That's um, also now, again, 19 and a half is telling you that he's getting past the Steelers as well, which again, to me, the Steelers have two very glaring needs. It's going to be either an offensive tackle or a corner, depending in my opinion is if Porter's there or not to make that decision, unless they had say a Paris Johnson fall and they identified depends on how they, they kind of want to go through the rankings of the, the tackles, but that's very clear. What happens to me, Porter getting past them, even Porter, getting past Detroit at at 18 if Detroit's to make a move for a cornerback or Jalen Carter or something like that. Like under 19 and a half on on uh Porter is looking pretty interesting based off of the market movement thanks to our buddy VR. Yeah I think the line that I that I saw today is under 18 and a half instead of 19 and a half. But um look like Joey Porter is a, a guy who who's met with you know a, a few teams as a Washington fan he's met with Washington multiple times. Um, he's popularly mocked to go there to Pittsburgh even a lot of the time as well. But, uh, you know, when I when I look at these mock drafts, the most popular pick to Washington right now, the ones that I value, is, is with Joey Porter there at 16 to Washington. I, I think it makes sense for what they need. Um, the only way that, that, that I see Joey Porter not being that pick is, is if – they're just that much higher on one of these these offensive linemen and, and one of those guys fall. Or what I have seen in some other drafts is is the possibility that Devin Witherspoon may not be as highly graded out due to you know some some incomplete athletic profiles and some other things that I've actually seen Devin Witherspoon here and there fall, and I've seen him be t- taken by Washington. So I, I think there's some different options. Washington has met with both of those players multiple times, um, and. and when you look at the pro days, you you look at the confirmed meetings and their top 30 visits, cornerback just makes a lot of sense. It, it's something that they, they failed at um, over multiple years. You know, they they, they signed a cornerback to, uh, you know, I think it was William Jackson to a big contract and then went ahead and cut him last year. You know, so it, it's just been a, a, a hole in their defense for a while. And, you know, they have Kendall Fuller, but he's more of a, a he's more of a, you know, slot corner. You know, so they need somebody there at help. And unless it's a Darnell Wright that they're super high on or one of these big offensive tackles drops down, you know, I could maybe see a case where Skoronsky drops down and they, and they, they, you know, they take him. But I, I lean heavily towards Joey Porter there at 16. 
Yeah, and look right now we're looking at the odds uh with 19 and a half on Caesars under 160, but then 16 and a half on DraftKings, the over is like minus 200. So, uh I don't really think that that much juice is worth paying for a middle, but uh you know, I think that it's interesting depending on the way you lean. I think both are viable, but I yeah, I would certainly lean towards under 19 and a half. I think Detroit you made a good case for. I mean, Pittsburgh definitely. Obviously we've talked about kind of the ties there that Joey Porter Jr. has that it's pretty thin, but you know, again, it, it exists uh, and it wouldn't surprise me for the Steelers to do that with uh, Joey Porter Jr.'s dad playing there as well. But um, overall, uh, Jason, I guess one last thing there, we didn't get your take on Hendon Hooker. I mean, any, any Hendon Hooker love in the first round? I mean, cause I, I want to take the under four and a half quarterbacks. It's staring me right in the face. It's only, it's like even money at this point. And I think it'll be the worst sweat ever. Just every single trade up, every single pick, you're going to be sweating thinking it could be Hendon Hooker. So I don't know. What's your take on it? Yeah, it's it's very hard uh, for, for me for me to justify that. I do I do see a scenario where that can happen. Uh, and it would be a team coming maybe from from the, you know, within the top 40 there. Uh, I look at Philadelphia maybe being a slot there because uh, Howie Roseman obviously can wheel a deal within the draft and he's always looking and is always a step ahead almost. So like if there were to be a slot for somebody to come up, it'd probably be Philly at 30. Um, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still debating that wh- whether I want to go that route. I don't think, uh, I know the big kind of fit was going to be Minnesota. I just don't think that's going to work out for, for anybody, uh, you know, one way or the other. I think they're, I think their front office is not just going the route of we've got to get him here, you know, kind of thing. Uh, they they do have the one more year with Kirk Cousins, and I think you've seen the ceiling, but there there's no you know insight for me to think that Hendon Hooker would be the guy there for them at 23. So if you if you see the quarterback come up, you know, in that 28, 29, 30, depending on a team wants to move back, I could certainly see it happening. It's not just something I'm overly in favor of. So uh, we'll 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 see, but. Uh, I'm not really committed to, to putting that in yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I tweeted out the other day. We talked about it as well. Like, if I could make a teams to not make their first round pick parlay, uh, I, I don't think that the Vikings are making a pick there. I think they'd love to trade back. They only have five picks. Uh, the Ravens as well, very limited draft capital in this draft. They love to have a dozen picks uh, and take a ton of swings. And right now, they're not really set up to do that. So I think both those teams are are set to move down. Um, I'm going to talk about the bet that I made this morning that I think is interesting. And I'd love to get your guys' thoughts on it is uh, talked a little bit last week about the ties with the chargers. Um, Chris Beatty, the wide receiver coach ties to uh, Jordan Addison, who uh, originally went to Pitts. Chris Beatty was the receiver coach there. He's now the receiver coach uh, with the chargers. There's some ties there in, in Southern California as well. When he was at USC, I just don't think that, I don't think Jordan Addison lasts. I think there's a very good chance that maybe Seattle plucks him or something ahead of him where he doesn't fall. And I think the betting markets will tell you Chargers draft pick to make. They've come out and said, we need to add team speed and they need to add offensive speed. So like, I agree that if there's a really good receiver, a Zay Flowers or Jordan Addison, that would probably lean my, it would probably be where I'd lean for the Chargers to go. Now in a scenario where both of those guys come off the board, which I think is possible, I think defensive back is a glaring need for the Chargers. Nasir Adderley, they're it's a 24, 25-year-old safety, just retired. Um, Bryce Callahan was their slot corner last year, really good. He's a free agent. They have not uh, brought him back. So they have a need, and that's a really good spot for like 
a Brian Branch, who we know can play slot, who can fill a safety need for Adderley as well. They drafted a, I think, third or fourth round safety a couple of years ago. So technically they have maybe an in-house option, but they kind of have two needs. Branch specifically fills both of those as a hybrid player. Seven to one for the Chargers first position to draft defensive back. It was a uh, sprinkle that I made uh, today that I think is, is viable. Now, again, I agree and I hear all the Chargers speed and Chargers receiver stuff, but I think if that doesn't happen, they really have a team that's kind of ready to plug and play if everyone stays healthy outside of the defensive backfield. And the market really doesn't indicate that right now. So Chargers to take a defensive back, I think is a, an interesting play based on the price. So, okay. So they're 22 to one on draftings, take a corner, uh, but Caesars groups, defensive backs together at seven to one. So, mm. I mean, what do you prefer between those? I don't want, I mean, I don't know, maybe a little stab on 22 to one. I mean, that sounds kind of nice along the line you're thinking, because I don't necessarily disagree, uh, especially at that Look, point. JC Jackson was a massive disappointment last year too. Like he got hurt and he, and he sucked. So like, I don't know. It's, it's pretty much when you go through the team, it's really one of their only needs. So I know teams don't always drop by need, but like that team, if they stay healthy, which they cannot do, they really have a starting offensive line. They have edge rushers. Uh, they've added some people in the interior defensive front. They've brought in um, Eric Kendricks from the Vikings to be, uh, you know, a plug and play off ball linebacker. They really have a lot of needs. Um, again, that could be a spot for Bijan if he falls, but um Again, considering what's going on with with Austin Eckler there, but yeah, I think just the price is off in the market. So yeah, I, I got down on the seven to one, but I don't hate the the corner, and it goes back to what's branch classified as, um, and that's kind of the tricky piece with that too. Yeah, the one thing I, I'll push back on, and, and look, I have cornerback as a need for for the Chargers there, but I'm looking through my visits, I don't have a confirmed top thirty visit with any of the projected first round cornerbacks or Brian Branch if you if you classify him as a safety, and I don't even have a confirmed meeting whether it be at a pro day or you know any of these other virtual meetings or any any of that stuff at. at for the Chargers with any of the guys that are in the first round, um, whether it be Cam Smith, DJ Turner, Keely Ringo, Forbes, Banks, Porter, Witherspoon, like just I don't have it for like I haven't been able to track down any link. I haven't seen it in a mock draft. So it's definitely something that would be unique that I haven't seen. Um, do we have an issue? That jumps out at me too. Like we really have any meetings for them uh, based off of uh, what we have from Sam's charting in relation to other teams that they just don't have – much of anything charted um you know the rams are on their team again they don't pick early um just in terms of just kind of floating through you know rams dolphins teams that don't have first round picks uh really the teams that do have first round picks the chargers look like one of the lightest visit teams out there comparatively to the market so that's interesting to me too so visits that i have for the chargers are jordan addison uh atatome atatome nice getting that one um but i mean once you go through it it's miles murphy you know, those are those are pretty much the guys that are in the, in the first round that they that I've been able to have confirmed meetings or, or top thirty visits with it. You know, out, outside of that, it, it's Julius Brents is another cornerback that's kind of coming up the boards, um, and Alex Austin of of Oregon State. They've had meetings with those guys, but you know, not a lot of these guys that are projected in the first round at, at, in the secondary. Yeah, good call, and that's probably why it's priced the way it is. Uh, you you're not seeing it in any national mock draft really. Um, and it just seems we're going through some team needs work on my own and going through some stuff. Uh, it seemed as a, as a price that was off comparatively. So, um, you know, I like the, the number that Connor found and uh, the seven to one play is something that I'm, I'm comfortable making there based off of those needs as well. And yeah, it would be interesting to see what, how teams utilize those top 30 visits. And if there's, 
you know, some teams, I think some of that's really actionable and some not so much, but again, I uh, love that Scott's super plugged in that. So, all right. Did anyone get anything else for the folks before we call it? Not bad. Uh, a little over an hour. Jason, we appreciate your time. Anything uh, you want to share with the folks and again, let folks know where they can find you and all your stuff. Yeah, no, just, you know, making these final tweaks to to content and hoping to wrap up here soon, other than kind of keeping an eye on, on the, you know, what, where the, the movement is this last, you know, week and change for the draft. Uh, you can find me at DraftPlex on Twitter. Uh, and then my site is NFLDraftPlex.com. Love it. You probably have not seen The Last of Us this week. We're finalizing some stuff around that because we, hey, we're getting to the home stretch. Uh, news continues to break. We want to do some other different things show-wise. So working on maybe something else later this week. And then next week as well, uh, we're going to probably turn up the heat. You'll probably see us every day, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday as we get closer to deadline day. Submission of mock drafts on Wednesday nights. You know, up to the last minute making those tweaks for Thursday is is really finally almost here. So I love seeing new markets the can be booked throwing out to be a first round pick is lovely. Would love to see the fine folks over at FanDuel get out there and do that. They let us parlay those last year, which was fantastic, uh, fantastic money-making opportunity. So if FanDuel wants to get in there, we'd really, really, really appreciate it. And you'll start to see some, again, final mock drafts uh, from us as well here as we get closer to deadline day. So good stuff as always. Reminder, $5 deposit at No House Advantage gets you a three-month betting subscription. Uh, use promo code 444BETS. You'll get an email uh, a little bit down the road, you know, 24, 48 hours after you deposit. I'll let you know how to access the subscription for us. Otherwise, just get the yearly sub, 444BETS.com slash plans. Get you access to everything. You don't have to worry about this little temporary subscription. it take you all through next NFL season, all of Scott's MMA bets, NBA college hoops, all the different stuff that we have going on, on the site. Uh, check that out. So good stuff as always for Jason, Connor, and Scott. I'm Ryan. We'll see you all sooner than later. <laughs>